0: This is episode 62 with Australia's number one sleep expert, Olivia Arizolo. Welcome back to the Doss and D Show. If this is your first time listening, welcome, we're pumped to have you with us. Make sure to click that subscribe button to be updated when our episodes drop each and every week so you don't miss a single second. If this episode impacts you, please don't forget to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few seconds, but it makes a huge difference in helping us impact more and more people. If you think you know what sleep does and how important it really is to our vitality, well, think again. Olivia blew us away. It was incredibly eye-opening to learn about why we should be prioritizing sleep almost more than we do our nutrition and exercise. We were so grateful for her time and the opportunity to pick her brain about all things sleep, including REM sleep, what it is and why it's crucial in our recovery, the incredible scary effects a consistent lack of sleep plays on our brains long-term, what is blue light and why does looking at our screens affect our sleep quality determining the type of sleeper you are based on your sleep cycle profile for all you coffee drinkers out there how caffeine really affects the quality of your sleep and she shares with us her bulletproof bedtime routine that is guaranteed to help you guys fall asleep faster than you ever have Let me tell you this, Dee and I have slept like babies since speaking with Olivia, and we are sure that this is going to help so many of you guys who want to improve your sleep quality, but also for those wanting to learn more about sleep. Anyway, here's our chat with Olivia, enjoy it. Welcome to the Dawson D Show,
1: two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives.
0: The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy, and happiness into their daily lives.
1: Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way.
0: Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs, and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now,
1: let's go balls deep.
0: So, Doss, how'd you sleep last night? I'll be honest, mate. I uh, slept pretty average. I have the last couple of nights slept pretty average, mate. What about you? I slept
1: okay, but I think I'll sleep a lot better tonight because we've got Australia's number one sleep expert with us, Olivia Arizolo. Welcome to the Doss and D Show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen.
0: Oh, We are very, very grateful to have you on the show, Olivia. I want to start it straight off the bat. How do we know we've had a good night's sleep? Let's get straight into that. How do we know? How do I myself know? We wake up tomorrow and go, oh, "That was good."
2: I think it's uh, exactly as you just asked each other. How do you feel?
0: I feel pretty average today, I will say.
2: <laughs> I think that's pretty reflective of an average sleep. Then, to be honest, you can use qualitative data, like like how you feel, or you can use more quantitative data, like a Fitbit or you know an Aura ring. Both have their value. Not everyone has a Fitbit. Not everyone has an Aura ring, but everyone has the capacity to ask themselves, how energetic do I feel? Hmm.
1: And another very open-ended question, but why is it so important to, to get a good night's sleep?
2: So one, it's impact how we feel, but on a scientific level, um, you've got an increase in growth hormone um, by about 70%. That's, that's the amount of growth hormone produced during slow-wave sleep. Now, that is key for cellular repair and recovery, your metabolism as well. Um, So if you compromise your sleep, you will have less synthesis of this key hormone. And so that's why you feel really fatigued. And on a muscular level, you often won't be able to simply feel that energy that you otherwise would. Stress-wise, there's an increase of a hormone called cortisol, which is our stress hormone. It means it leaves us feeling really anxious, wired and awake if it's in excess. That increases by 37% after one night of insufficient sleep. And there's also a rise of a neurotoxin called beta amyloid of about 5% per night when you have insufficient sleep. Now beta amyloid is responsible for memory loss and a lack of mental clarity when it's accumulated in plaques in the brain, that is a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease. So physically, cognitively, mentally, sleep is really important.
0: So we're currently, you know, searching for all these different cures for all these different diseases. And sounds like we need it. probably a big part of it is just getting our sleep better.
2: Correct. Correct. I, Literally just finished editing a chapter of my book it was all around health conditions linked to sleep. You know, I just mentioned Alzheimer's, like cardiovascular disease. Those sleeping less than five hours have a 45% increased risk for having a heart attack. Crazy. Insomniacs are 10 times more likely to have depression and 17 times more likely to have and anxiety disorder
1: that's that's crazy because we tend to value like it just seems like the media portray like we always exercise eat well but sleeps always seems to be the third one on the list that seems to be like the forgotten part or the the bonus aspect of your health i don't understand why we don't prioritize it enough how many hours should we actually be sleeping
2: ideally you want to be sleeping seven to nine that does depend on how stressed you are Like if you're stressed, then you often need more. If you are catching up on sleep, so say, for example, you've been having inadequate sleep for, you know, a few days, weeks, months, years, then you often find you need a like refractory period where you catch up on sleep. And it also depends on your genetics. There are some genes that like variations of a gene called DEC2 can code for short sleep or long sleep, which means that if you do have that variation, you will only sleep need about 6.25 hours of sleep per night. Whereas if you don't have that variation, you need 8.06 hours of sleep per night. So there's a number of factors, um, but looping back into your first question around why the media doesn't pay so much attention to it. I feel like it used to be the forgotten third pillar, but you would have noticed in recent years, I feel that it's uh, coming up in greater and greater and greater importance. You know, five years ago, nobody was talking about sleep. Now it's considered one of, you know, the fundamentals. And I'd, I'd say in years to come, it's probably going to be the fundamental then exercise and food come on top of that because that's essentially what it does. You know, there are, if you don't sleep enough, your cortisol level goes up. That compromises muscle growth. If you don't sleep enough, you have an increase in increase in a hunger hormone called ghrelin by 28%, and a an decrease in your satiety hormone called leptin by 18%. And you'll have an increase in your appetite by 24%. Wow, that's
1: interesting. On
2: average, people who have insufficient sleep will eat 485 more calories per day. When you don't sleep enough, there was a research paper that found people sleeping eight and a half hours on a calorie controlled diet and moving a certain amount. They were able to lose 55% more body fat when they slept eight and a half hours versus when the exact same people slept five and a
0: half hours. Um, But they exercised the same amount and ate the same.
2: Correct. And it was the same people.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think, you know, I think in initially people like, oh, okay, sleep is part of it. But actually sleep is the first layer. On top of sleep, then comes nutrition and fitness but sleep is the underlying
0: layer Mm. when you said just before about you know it's starting to the awareness of of the importance of sleep um, starting to create a greater scope i sometimes think about as obviously hopefully more awareness comes to sleep and it is technology is growing as well though do you think the quality of sleep is is then being affected as even though the awareness grows
2: yes Tech is growing. That's a, that's a good question. Thanks. Tech is growing, but that doesn't mean that uh, that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, for example, now we've got blue light glasses. It's not relatively new, but it's newer than, you know, It hasn't been around for decades. You know, there are programs like Flux, which you can install on your laptop and that modifies the, um, modifies the colors there are, you know, people are more commonly wearing digital readers, which are blue light glasses for the day. Technology isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's it just depends on how you use it.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, I find it interesting because I know from a personal experience, sometimes I will, I'll be up late at night, and I know I, should be, I know I should have gone to sleep an hour ago, but I'm staying awake for whatever reason. Maybe I'm texting somebody, maybe I'm watching something, whatever it may be, and I'll just, in my mind, I'm like, well, tomorrow I can have a coffee in the morning, maybe two, and I'll fix it, and I'll catch up later. Do you have any idea of a percentage of the population that are actually suffering from poor amount of sleep? In
2: 2018, 77% of the population were sleeping less than seven hours every week. That said, there's been an increase in problematic sleep from pre-COVID to post-COVID of 59%. I'd be interested to see the data now about exactly how many hours we're getting and what portion of people are having sleep problems. I'd say it'd be on par with with those two figures.
0: Wow. I'm I'm really fascinated around quality and we were talking before we got on the zoom with you this like tonight we're both unsure of what REM sleep is and I know that's a term that gets thrown around a lot you know we listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of people would have probably listened to Matthew Walker on Joe Rogan or all these different podcasts what is REM sleep because it it gets thrown around a lot and we'd love to hear you know your take on it as an expert in this field
2: no worries REM sleep is also called paradoxical sleep or dream sleep. What it is, is the time when you are dreaming. It also is the time which you consolidate memories. And it's also a time when you are deeply, deeply at rest, but um, your brain is highly active. Um, So your, your brain is exhibiting brain waves, alpha, beta, and even gamma, which is the fastest brainwave. But you are actually in such a deep state of rest that your body is paralyzed. And you show signs of muscle ataxia, which is like muscle, like limpness. If you're woken from REM sleep, you'll feel absolutely exhausted because it's such a deep stage. And you'll experience what's termed sleep inertia, which is when you... Feel like you're drunk upon waking.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> that's a lot of people experience that in when they when they uh, nap for too long, you wake up and oh my god, you feel like you've been hit by a truck. Yeah, right. That's that's actually called sleep inertia, and that's because you've woken from a really deep stage of sleep.
1: Right. Yeah. I was going to ask because sometimes when I wake up and I've had like I've got the most vivid memories of my dreams and I feel like I've had the best sleep and I'm absolutely exhausted for the whole day. Is that, and like I've slept eight hours, is that due to what you're talking about there?
2: Of, often that's because you've woken from a deep stage of sleep. Yeah. Gotcha. Absolutely.
1: Interesting. And how yeah. many hours should we be spending in that state each night or what is, or what is normal?
2: Sure. So we should be aiming for 25% of our total sleep time to be in REM sleep important For a lot of your listeners to know, one of the, so it happens in the last two thirds of the night. So if you're not getting enough sleep, your body prioritizes getting slow wave sleep because it's physically more rejuvenating. So you'll actually miss out on that, which isn't just a problem where you're missing out on your dreams, but really important for memory consolidation and emotional processing so people who spend insufficient time in rem sleep have correlations with bipolar whereas if you spend too much time in rem sleep you have a cop you're more likely to have depression
1: Right, i was gonna ask yeah because that's one of the common things you hear with people that suffer from depression is they're always sleeping or they're always in a dark room or they spend an enormous amount of mm. time i was gonna ask yeah so That makes a lot more sense now.
2: The thing is, it's a a time that like, basically you disassociate from negative experiences in your memory. So you know that concept like uh, sleep on it and you'll feel better in the morning? So that's what happens in REM sleep. Your brain literally processes all of the memories from the day past and filters out the stuff that you need to remember and makes you feel more neutral about the negative experiences. Because it's uh it's advantageous for you to remember things at a more neutral level than to be really, really upset about it constantly, right? So the my my my, my appreciation that is that people who have depression are spending too much time in that reflective state and they're, you know, over processing. But the thing is with depression, oversleeping can be linked to depression because it limits our sunlight hours. Sunlight is a a helps our bodies produce serotonin serotonin is a happiness hormone it also allows us you know enough time to do things that make us happy like socialize and exercise and contribute so yeah so there's uh there's this is just a few reasons why people with depression are more likely to to oversleep it's very common
0: yeah i I find that interesting because i've never consider myself a oversleeper i've never probably been an oversleeper i've never really experienced it i'm probably someone that's been uh someone that you could say is sleep deprivated, you know which it's embarrassing for me to say this now because i'm like bloody hell sleep is so important but um <laughs> yeah. can you talk a bit more in detail around how does someone know that they're an oversleeper you know is, is it people who sleep in or is it just because of a you mentioned that lack of energy and that maybe mopiness, like what how do you know which one you are
2: Mm-mm. Um, so like anything beyond 10 hours a night is a sign of oversleeping. And that's like regularly sleeping that long, like one, one, one or two nights, everyone's going to have that, especially, you know, if you're catching up on sleep, for example, but if you are sleeping over 10 hours a night on a regular basis, that's a sign. Um, but also still waking up, feeling fatigued. That's another sign.
0: What what about I guess relating that to something like chronic fatigue? Like people who suffer from that. Like, don't they have to rest? Like, I'm not sure what the situation is there. What about someone with chronic fatigue syndrome?
2: Yeah, that, that's a that's a really hard one. I've done a little bit of research into it and it's just there's not a lot of answers. And so I really I really feel for anyone with chronic fatigue because on one, on one hand, you know, you don't want them to oversleep because it will contribute to, you know, a lack of serotonin, a lack of opportunity to engage, limit their ability to be part of society. But at the same time, they're really tired. I think it comes down to a case-by-case basis because a lot of those, a lot of people with chronic fatigue, you know, it's very, it's a unique illness. I think for anyone, you know, who is suffering, like I think it's really important to have, a really like collaborative team you know be it a gp a naturopath a nutritionist a sleep coach you need to have a team behind you because it's it's a condition that can really be quite extensively de- debilitating
1: mm. yeah i would i'm interested in catch-up sleep as well olivia because i've heard two sides of this i've heard if you have a bad night's sleep the worst thing you can do is actually try and catch up and go to bed way earlier and try and sleep it through. And you should just go back to a normal routine. But then I've also heard that that you should do that. You should try and get those extra hours in like the, the immediate night after. I would love to hear your take on that.
2: I think so if you are able to fall asleep with ease in the evening at like a reasonable time, you know, I'm not talking like 6 p.m. kind of thing, um, but as long as it's, you know, a few hours within your bedtime, then I would think that's okay. I wouldn't advise you to sleep in because then that delays your melatonin onset the next night and means that you're more likely to be up later that next night. But if you wanted to go to bed earlier, chances are you'll catch up and you won't, you won't oversleep that, that morning. But you wouldn't want to go go to bed too early because then you might wake up, at say, like four AM, and just be like, "Okay, time to do things." And it's yeah. like no, four AM.
0: We're we're based in Melbourne. You're in Sydney. Uh, I'm not sure about Sydney. You said you lived in Melbourne for a while, but us Melburnians, coffee is a a real something everyone loves here. Coffee snobs, we could probably call ourselves. I want to hear the effects coffee has on sleep, or caffeine, I should say, because. I don't want to go into, I haven't done any studies or anything, but I think I was listening to a podcast and they were saying there was something in coffee that is actually good for our health. It's just the caffeine side of things that is what keeps us up or something. I would love to hear your take on what coffee or how coffee affects our sleep and what is the latest time someone should drink a coffee.
2: Can I ask you was um, the thing that was beneficial it was it was matthew
0: walker on the school of greatness like about four weeks ago and i can't remember exactly what he said
2: theobromine that's it yeah 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 it's theobromine it is like i don't know i'll be honest i probably i don't know as much as sorry yeah that's okay
0: i just was like oh wow like that seemed Um, really interesting
2: it is it's like a. it helps your body produce a compound called GABA yeah, And GABA is a calming hormone. Um, so it's the major inhibitory hormone for your body. So it helps you feel more calm. Um, and that's why I like it's actually really rich in chocolate as well and cacao. And you know, it's full of antioxidants and mm. just a really like great super nutrient. And so that's why I like, although coffee does have caffeine, it does have ther- therobromine as well, which can be beneficial. Mm. Um, in terms of the latest time you should have caffeine, my recommendation is nothing after lunch. Basically, when you are, especially for people who are sleep deprived, which are probably most people listening to a sleep podcast, um, yeah. the body has a exaggerated response to caffeine when you're sleep deprived. So you release more adrenaline and more noradrenaline after caffeine in a sleep-deprived state, leaving you more anxious, more alert, more sleepless than if you were rested. Um, This is due to a dysfunction in your HPA axis, which is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis.
1: (laughs) You got that out very well. Yeah, well done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You can tell I haven't had any April spritzes since, you know, the weekend and it's Wednesday, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to relate it because I've had a good look on your website, Olivia, and there's some really interesting information around food as well. So just sort of on top of Doss's question with coffee, I would like to know about food because what's your information about having a snack at like midnight if you can't sleep is there actually food that can be beneficial because we were or i was always told growing up you know once you've had dinner or say past 10 o'clock do not eat anything it's bad for your metabolism it's bad for this it's bad for that but are there foods that can actually help you
2: so you wouldn't want to do it out of choice like it's not like oh yeah it's gonna it's gonna be beneficial just as a regular thing and, that, and that's because if you The act of digesting food is super, super taxing on the body and limits your ability to go into deep, slow-wave sleep. And remember, that's the stuff. That's the really good quality stuff that we mentioned all the way at the start. You don't really want to do it like as a regular thing, but if you are literally like ravenous and like, say if you're like unable to sleep because you're so hungry, then yeah, you should have a snack. And in terms of what you should have, um, definitely combining something with something, a carbohydrate with a protein is best. Um, basically, your protein, so something like a protein shake with a banana, for example, or like a little, little smoothie. What that's going to do is the protein helps your body produce melatonin. Um, it provides tryptophan, which is the amino acid subunit for melatonin to be produced. And then if you're going to have a complex carb like banana, carbohydrates help protein cross the brain-blood barrier and essentially be utilised. So you can't produce melatonin without a small amount of carbohydrates. So you do need some, and this is particularly important for a lot of people on low-carb, low-sugar, no-sugar diets, the body needs a certain amount of carbs to function. And if you're waking up unable to sleep, it could be a lack of carbohydrates for sure. So yeah, so like something like a banana smoothie is good because you've also got in the bananas um, magnesium, which is a really good muscle relaxant. Um, It's also rich in vitamin B6, which is another nutrient supportive of melatonin production. I think that
0: answers your question. It does. <laughs> <That's> perfect. <laughs> Wasn't the answer I expected, but um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah,
2: sleep is interesting. It is.
0: I'm, we're loving this. I've got a mate or a few mates that, and we talk about it, and there's always this debate. They, they, <laughs> they, they sleep with the fan on, and some don't. <laughs> I'm really intrigued about this because body temp or, or body temperature and room temperature, are like. I struggle to get to sleep when it's hot. I'm sure all of us do. But then I also struggle to stay asleep when it's cold and I'm tossing and I'm turning. Like what is the appropriate, I guess, temperature to fall asleep to or what should the body temperature be at?
2: The external temperature, if you're going to have an air con, 18 degrees.
0: 18.
1: Oof, that's perfect. <laughs> Very specific.
2: Yeah, well, I like to be specific. It makes uh, everyone listening. Of course. Even- yeah, it's it's easier for me to be specific because then it's like a direct, it's like 18.
1: It's Perfect, very, I won't forget that. <laughs> yeah.
2: What about um, noise? Noise, so white noise, like a fan. A study has found that that can help you fall asleep 38% faster. Why it A, it helps mask background noises so you're less attuned to them, so you're more focused on that fan humming. B, it helps synchronise the brainwaves into A, Slower pattern, which is more reflective of stage two non-REM sleep, which is called theta. White fan, great for sleep. Why? Great for that white noise, but also provides that cooling that your body needs um, in the absence of a aircon. But why you need to stay cool is because melatonin is only produced when you have a cool, cold body temperature. Mm. If you if you're too hot, melatonin, melatonin, the sleepiness hormone declines. Therefore, you're more likely to struggle to fall asleep and struggle to stay asleep.
0: So don't don't wear socks to bed, is what I'm hearing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what though. So socks to bed actually help with heat loss. Really? It's the strangest thing because I wear socks to bed and I get really hot, but technically what happens is it encourages blood flow from your heart to your peripheries. And that helps with heat loss.
1: There you go. Right. Interesting. So
2: there was a research paper con- completed and you should, I- ideally you should sleep naked with socks.
1: Really? Wow. I want to ask you about, because I've seen you talk on the today show and this is, I found this really interesting and you talked about different types of sleep cycles. profiles and i'd love you just to sort of give us a quick rundown on on that
2: yeah sure it's it's all about my it's that's the concept of my book so i think i need to know a lot about this um (laughs) so essentially a chronotype is just your circadian rhythm preferences so are you an early bird or a person with an early preference which is a lion Um, If you are, you like to rise by about 6 o'clock in the morning and you like to go to bed by about 10 p.m. Is that that you?
1: That's me. That's me.
2: I'm the same. I'm the same. Literally, if if it's like 6 o'clock when I'm still in bed, I'm like, oh, God, I've slept in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And if it's like... uh... (laughs) If it's 10 o'clock and I'm still up, I'm like, whoa, late night for me. I
1: know. I feel like such a great... It's really embarrassing, but, yeah, that, I'm, I'm in that. I'm glad you are as well.
2: It's fantastic. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> I
2: love it. I love it. Yeah, just don't invite me out late because I don't want to come.
1: Basically.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'm just going to go then. See you later, guys. You guys are getting along. Uh, that's not me at all.
2: So you'd either be a bear, which That you're that's a person with a uh, middle preference, which like who likes to rise around seven o'clock and go to bed around eleven p.m. Or you might be an what's considered like a night owl with the latest preference, which you like to rise like eight or even nine a.m. And then you like to go to bed at midnight or even one a.m.
0: I I, I, on that. Cause I find myself like being my most productive when it comes to doing like work and editing and lots of stuff for the podcast late at night. How does that work?
2: That would be, uh, I would, that fits in with a the chronotype of a wolf. So the latest. So it's interesting, like, you know, circadian rhythm, it does control the sleep wake cycle, but it's not just about the time that you're going to sleep and waking up. It actually controls everything from when you should eat your biggest meal to the times that you're most productive and most alert to the times that you should have sex. Like there, it's so extensive about what your circadian rhythm predicts and encodes for. And so, yeah, so in terms of, you know, you being the most alert in the evening, this isn't just by chance, this is actually an inherent disposition. Yeah. So the thing is, though, 50% of your chronotype and, you know, that pattern is based on biology, but the other 50% is environment. So, you know, you mentioned doing editing and podcasting in the evening, right? Yep. So that's always in front of a screen.
0: Gotcha. Ah. Environment. Yep. Right.
2: right. So I'm wondering if you had... If you were in, like, if you were camping, for example, and had no artificial light, would you still stay up and be so alert and awake and productive in that evening time? I'd, I'd say probably not.
0: No, it's yeah. It sounds like it's yeah, much more forced. That's yeah, really
2: interesting. Mm-mm. I think that there's even um, there's evidence that people in cities are more likely to be the later chronotypes be it a bear or a a wolf compared to um people living in rural areas they're more likely to be lions like the early early chronotype simply because they don't have as much artificial light
1: Hmm. i like the names for them as well easy to remember i'm guessing it's a silly question but is there is any even better than the other or is it just based on genetics and, and what suits each person
2: so it's, there's not one better or worse, but the lion chronotype, that's you or not, does have the best health profile. So we sleep the best, we have the fewest health problems, you know, the wolves, the latest chronotype, just overall, they're 2.5 times more likely to have poor general health. Mm. And it's actually quite phenomenal in terms of the research. They're basically at a disadvantage of everything. Like they're more likely to be insomniacs. They're more likely to have depression, anxiety. They're more likely to suffer from obesity, overweight, have type 2 diabetes, have cardiovascular disease, have Alzheimer's, ADHD, like everything. Mm.
0: Thanks for scaring yeah. me.
1: <laughs> 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 I have a question, Olivia. Before we sort of, because I, I want to talk a bit more about yourself, sort of as we get towards the end of this podcast. But just for our listeners, and do you have any just very? I know it's hard, and everyone's a different case, but generic tips like how, if you really are struggling to sleep and you can't turn your mind off, like you know, like we've all experienced anxiety at night where you're thinking about the next day or the next week, and you just cannot get to sleep. Is, do you have any tips? that you know, we can all implement now or when that happens?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a signature bedtime routine, which I recommend for like everyone. So step one is to block out blue light. Blue light is the main factor to control the circadian rhythm and the main factor to control your melatonin levels. So less blue light equals more melatonin equals you automatically find it easier to fall and stay asleep. Step two is to consume and apply lavender. So that means take a capsule with lavender, but also to apply it or diffuse it on your skin. Step three is to have a good night phone alarm. That's a little alarm that pops up on your phone saying, get off technology at one hour before bed. Prompts you so you don't just have to plan your, uh, your memory. Step four is to have a shower Um, Having a shower helps your body cool down essentially because after you emerge from a hot shower, you go into a cooler bathroom. It promotes melatonin onset. Step five is to have a magnesium-based sleep supplement. Magnesium has been found in clinical trials to reduce anxiety by 31%. Um, Step six is to read. Reading has been found to reduce stress and anxiety, including that inability to switch off in six minutes. And step seven is to use an eye mask because it helps protect you from blue light.
0: Oh, Interesting. Wow. They, thanks for sharing those. I Quick question on the reading. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm glad you said that.
0: And we read a lot of self-help or books that require thinking or <laughs> highlighting or, you know, what type of books, like, should I be reading a book that's more, doesn't matter? fantasy book. <laughs> yeah.
2: Something that doesn't uh, get you thinking all night, yes.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: So anything, you know, it, I can't specify the books because each person has their preference. Yeah, yeah.
0: and there's a lot of bloody books out there. <laughs> <laughs> what about your book?
1: Right, Give right? your book a plug. Here's
0: your uh, yeah.
2: As of February 2, 2022, I will recommend my book, which should be your bedtime book for all all Australians. Perfect. And if and if you're in the UK, it should be you'll be able to receive that from uh, December 30. So,
0: oh, just after Christmas too. Perfect. Yeah.
2: Well, it's good because everyone's got time over the whole over yep. that holiday period, and uh, you know, I think I think now there's a growing awareness that people need to get better sleep, and it's, so it's good timing to bring out a book that helps them sleep better yeah so a book like that would be the best to read
1: perfect just... well i have stopped trying to read at night because it literally puts like i'll be trying to read for a purpose and i'll be like falling asleep into the book every single time That's so good. but yes yeah, so apparently but maybe the more important stuff i have to read a bit earlier mm. olivia just a little bit more about yourself and like i want to hear about your coaching we, we've seen on your website you've got some amazing clients and i'm just really interested in your experiences but What does a sleep coach actually do? How do you help an individual or or a group? Because it seems like you do a lot of group work as well.
2: I've been working on my group program, I will say for the most part of this year. But in all honesty, I haven't been able to launch it because I've been writing a book and then private clients come and then more private clients come and then they talk to other people. And then all of a sudden I'm booked up and then... All this time, and then I actually don't. And then I'm like, hey, you know what? I kind of actually just want like some space just to, like you know, be a normal human and go to the beach and Move. not be like yeah. up, b- booked in back to back. So I've been intending on doing launching my own group program, which I haven't done, but I have done quite a few, like, you know, group seminars and things like that, which has usually been for more my corporate clients like Fitbit or Google which has been really cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And then in terms of my private clients, um, usually I work with them for a few months at least. And we usually see each other each week via Zoom. And basically I create a bespoke plan for them, tailored to whatever the needs are. You know, some of my clients are shift workers, mm. some of them have not enough sleep some of them wake up through all through the night some of them get enough sleep but it's just really low quality you know we just i just assess essentially their needs and create a bespoke action plan and then just walk them through the stages of change and make sure that they're getting the results they want and the only time we really stop working together is when they are sleeping as well as they like
0: well It sounds like your waiting list is quite substantial, but <laughs> where is the best place to uh, to find you? Your, your website and your, and your social media platforms, Olivia.
2: So if you just if you on Instagram, if you type in "sleep expert." You, I'm Olivia. Usually, I'm the first one to type to come up, or you can try spelling my last name, which is Arizolo. But don't try that. It's
1: very hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're listening to the podcast, I will say it's spelled out, so there's no excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. And then my website is the same oliviarosol.com.au, but if you go to my Instagram first, then there's links to my website and other cool stuff like a ebook I will happily share with your listeners as well because that has my bedtime routine that we mentioned before and I feel like that'd be really nice for you for you guys as well.
0: Thank you. We we love that.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's yeah, that'd be amazing. No
0: worries. Oh, actually I was going to say, well, hopefully Instagram doesn't shut down again. Yeah. Uh, lucky you've got the website.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, it happened on the weekend, right? And uh, it's, it was a long weekend up here in Sydney. And so I was actually, I was pretty much at the You're beach loving all it. day.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I didn't even notice. And then one of my girlfriends is like, Instagram's been down like all day. And I was like, <laughs> oh,
1: okay. It's yeah. Right. Yeah i found it quite relaxing, actually. I enjoyed yeah. it
0: being down for a bit.
1: How
2: long did it actually go down for?
0: No idea. Oh, Fair while. Did it? I was just uh, trying to post some stuff for our Instagram. I was like, why isn't it working? <laughs> Turning my phone off and on, and it uh, turns out I wasn't an idiot. So.
1: <laughs> but um, all the information Olivia's mentioned we'll have in our show notes. And, of course, leading up to when your book is launched, we'll promote that, of course, on, on our platforms, too. And we're really looking forward to it. Well, I'll be getting a copy. I'm sure you will as well, will make, Yeah. And, uh, but... Olivia, we're just very grateful for your time. Um, yeah, I really. We wanted to talk to someone about sleep, and when an I fe- expert, an sleep. expert, and yeah. when I found you, I thought there's no way we're gonna get her, but I'm gonna try anyway. <laughs> and you've just been so generous. You've been great with communication. We're so so grateful. So yeah, I just want to say a big thank you.
2: Well, thank you so much. I'm very humble. Thank you. It's you're very very kind, and um, I love the intention. You know we were chatting before we before we started recording that you know that wider vision to bring you know bringing the community knowledge and empowerment and inspire them and i think that's just really cool so um, i like what you guys are doing so i'm happy to support as i can
0: thanks Thanks, olivia